Meet me on the softer side. Meet me on the softer side. Softer side of your heart. Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our other author events at www.skylightbooks.com, where you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. You can also follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at Facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. And don't forget, Skylight Books depends on listeners like you to help support us. So whether you're in our neighborhood or browsing online, buy a book or two to help ensure that we'll be around for a long, long time. Thanks and enjoy. Um, I, I didn't change my watch. I, I was all confused with the time. <laughs> um, excuse me again. <clears throat> I think I watched 50 times the times. I'm very nervous about these things, but uh, I don't know. Uh, so I'm going to go right through. So what I want to do today is talk about well, my, my, my last book, which is the fourth of my books that talks about traveling. I've done more books than that, but uh, since I come from this one, I'm just going to focus on this one. These are mo more or less the books that I've worked on, but I have four. I've worked on um, uh, traveling, the traveling one, they call and they call it graphic novel as well, which I'm not too too fan of about that term, but anyhow, I can explain to you later. Uh, so I want to go through these four books and show you how I work, and then we'll do, uh, and how it has evolved uh, in France as well, because now I'm in France, and how the small press edition has, has changed throughout the 15, 20 years that I've known them in France, and it, it has changed things, I think, all over the world and, and now even here in the States. Um, so I wanna st I'm going to start quickly with the beginning and then uh, uh, in three quarter we're going to go with question like a quarter after um, six and then we should be finished at 6.30. Um, this is the magazine that existed 15 years ago in France and uh, I've stopped reading comic books when I was young. Well, not when I was young, I was reading a lot of books when I was younger. But then I, I worked in animation, I did all of my study uh, in Toronto. I'm Canadian, I'm from French Canada, so you have to excuse me for my broken English. Um, and I did my study of animation, I worked in Montreal and then the studio collapse well stopped because of economic problem we were actually working with Yugoslavia Zagreb studio and in Zagreb the war just broke loose and all the animators were going to fight <laughs> it was very strange because we met them afterwards they said well we went to fight and then we went back to animation oh wow that's strange and uh, so the studio stopped and uh, I went just for traveling in Europe with my portfolio and at the time there was like 50 um, 50 people working in studios in lots of studios so you, you could go basically around and knock at doors and I worked in Germany for a year and then I worked in France and I stayed actually longer than I thought and um, I've stopped reading comics after a while and uh, then I met a few uh, that 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 publishing house it was called l'association and they were doing, doing that magazine so I started doing uh, short stories for them because I, I didn't I didn't really thought that one day I would do books and comics and I would make a living out of that it was it's kind of a chance I thought I would do animation 
to make a living and I would do short story with that magazine. So I was trying lots of things very different from one to the other. And some of these stories, I kind of developed them. Like I did that story of, um, of a lady and it was called Aline. And um, uh, it looks like that. So it's all very short. Uh, it, it really looks like an animation film. If you look at the one before, uh, you can see the influence I have from animation because you have, um, well, this is one page with no movement at all. But this page moves just like a short film, basically. And uh, maybe it's too far for, for the one uh, at the back, but uh, uh, it's, it's like, I've done one story, it was called Aline, and then I did another one called, it started with a B, and then I thought, well, maybe I can do 26 stories like that. So it, it came out with my first book, who's um, called Aline and the Others. It's this one, and I'll come back with that later on. And it was just, with no text, so it's all just short animation pieces, basically, but it's on paper, because when I was working on animation, I always thought, oh, maybe we can do story with that. Uh, it can move, but just looking at some image with movement, sometimes it's a lot of fun. So I guess that has been a big influence for me. Um, so I was working in animation, and uh, what happened is, uh, just like anywhere in the world, I, same as the States, uh, it became more and more uh, outsourced, and uh, I was sent over uh, to different countries to uh, direct the animation, so that's me, and that's the rest of the studio in China, because I was sh sent in China actually two times, and um, that was what I was doing as a living. I did some teaching, I did some video games, because there were less and less studios, so studios with 50 people doesn't exist anymore in France. I don't know about the States, but I know that The Simpsons are all done in South Korea. They even make fun of that in the, some of their episodes. And uh, what happened is I was in Shenzhen. I spent uh, two months, no, three months there, and I took notes, actually, because that was my second time I was in China. And I was thinking, well, this time I'm going to try to take notes, not to forget, because I have a very bad memory, and that's actually one of my main uh, motivations to do um, not a book like that, but short stories like that, to keep a trace of that, because I forgot almost everything. And then I arrived in China, I said, oh yeah, that's true, I forgot about this and this and this. And I said, well, what's the point of traveling if you forget five years afterwards? So I said, this time I'm going to take notes. So I came back in France, I was reading these notes, and I thought, well, maybe some of these small notes could make stories. And then I started in the magazine doing 16 pages, people liked it. And uh, I did another 16 pages, people liked it more. And, uh, you know, someday we said, well, maybe we can do um, a, a book with that. So it was not planned to be a book, but it was just uh, a, a bunch of short stories that finally we, we decided to, to put together. I used a technique uh, whose wax pencil, I know this is, it's not very common in, in, in France, but I know I, I saw them in, in the store down there. Uh, it's these wax pencils that are wrapped with paper, and when you want to make them sharper, you, you just pull the paper. I really like, because they're very strong, but that's a technique I really don't um, recommend to anyone doing comic books, because... Uh, it's just for one illustration, it's okay. You can do illustration. Like I've, after that, I've used that technique, or I think it was before, uh, just, just for uh, illustration. It works okay because you have a nice render that, that was, you have that texture that, that looks very nice. But to do a whole comic, it's too much work. And it works well in the winter, but in the summer, it's like drawing with mascara, and it's, it just melts. It's hell. So actually, I stopped uh, in the summer. It was just too complicated. Um, so what happened to me in China it was basically a bunch of um, 
Well, I would say it was just observation. So that's really the way I work. I, I go around, I look at things and at people, I take notes. And this was in Shenzhen in December 1997. So everything was under construction. I guess it's the same. It's, it has changed in China, may, maybe not in that sense. But everything was really dirty, I have to say. That's why I used that technique, because I wanted to have something kind of greasy and uh, oily. And uh, yeah, that's that's the main, the main reason why I used that. But uh, yeah, after a while, I thought it was just too much work. I had to work with a translator that was my boss, and uh, she was very bad. And it was just really like uh, when I lo when I saw the, the movie um, Lost in Translation, I felt so so in in uh, in harmony with the main character because she was saying stuff, and I could see they, they were fighting with the animators. And then I would say, "Is everything okay?" And she said, yeah, yeah, everything's fine, no problem. And everything was so suspicious. Uh, so I walked around in the streets. I don't know if you've been in China, but um, in 1997, being a foreigner, uh, you, you were not uh, un unnoticeable at all. You, you, people w would see you, and they really look at you uh, frontally. And they yell on the phone, in the elevator. So it's just small. I was on my own. And uh, I didn't I didn't talk too much about the political aspect of the country because I, I done that book 20 years ago I think so I was a young man I was 20 something and uh, I was not too much into reading stuff about politics but I know now if I would go back to China I would probably talk about the big difference between the people in the mainland and the one that are in the cities and the one that are in the countryside because that's very interesting to see and to notice and to talk about but um, this book is more about everyday life so this is uh, when you go in a restaurant on your own and you try to order and you have about 15 people to pour you tea, give you cups of this and this, and you have a lot of service, that's for sure. But it's a bit too much, so I didn't, I didn't like it too much. Um, so, uh, for an example, uh, you go to the bank, that's the type of little stories that I've put in the book. Uh, you go to the bank, you, you're on the line, and uh, someone's squeezing all the time. That's, that's just the way they do it. Uh, I, I don't judge them. It's just you have to get used to that. You have to be very close to the other person. But even when you're at the counter and you want to talk to the guy, oops, there's someone comes in. And it's even, even though you're, you have to stay very close to that little window. And, uh, and then he takes your order. He, 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 he tosses it back behind. There's people actually sleep at the bank. They make naps. They, they don't have problem with that. I think it's very good for health. But it's very surprising for someone coming from Canada to have someone uh, having a nap in a bank. He wakes up and he puts it back, and then she finally gets the money, turn it again. So it's it's very fun to see. It goes clack 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 from one office to the other, and then he gives back my money from a little uh, a little candy uh, can that he probably has kept for years and years, and uh, I have my change. And I could see the girl just next to me having that pile of money and I was afraid because th these, these yens were very big I have a little pile but she was like having a huge one and I thought well I feel so bad if she walks on the street with that I guess I can go so that's that was my life in China uh, being a bit lost in translation and then uh, when I came back I started to do 16 pages it became a book and um, it was actually quite popular, not so well. At the time, that's 15 years ago, we, s we did 2,000 copies and they were sold in the year, so they were actually happy. Because 2,000 at the time uh, in France, it, was, uh, it meant that they could reprint it, so you know, it was a good news. So that was my, one of my first books. 
And uh, they sent me after that to uh, Vietnam. So I thought, well, that's going to be good because uh, I'm going to do a book about Vietnam. Why not? But what happened in Vietnam, I just had, uh, I had my little motorcycle for two months going around in the streets, uh, walking, working in the studio. And um, actually, I had just a good time. The, the studio was working fine. People were great. Um, I had just no problem at all. And all I could say was that I had, it was like a happy picnic at the end. So I didn't have much to say apart than I had fun. And I don't know, I don't want to read a book like that. So I'm not going to spend a year and a half to make a book which talks about just a good time in Vietnam. So now I take notes, but I never know if I do a book when I come back, because I read my notes when I come back. And if it's interesting, well then, yeah, I, I'm going to do a book. Mm. Excuse me. So what happened is uh, after that, I've met a lot of people that was before September 11, that was in 2001. They sent me to North Korea. Well, they asked me to go. I said, yeah, you know, that, that'd be interesting. Because I've met a lot of people in the animation business who were going to North Korea. And uh, I felt very frustrated because they were always saying, well, uh, it was very boring. Uh, all, all, I, there was no bar, no place to go uh, to have a coffee. I stayed in my room and I played video game the whole two months. I thought, well, you know, do you imagine you've been in North Korea? That's uh, so one of the most remote and closest country in the world. And he says, well, I don't know. It was just boring. So I thought, well, if they ask me, uh, I'm going to try to read as much as I can. And that's what I did. In 2001, you, there was about like five or six books you can find on North Korea. There was, it's not like today. And uh, I've read them all, and everybody was talking about uh, 1984 in these books. I said, uh, I've read it when I was younger. But I started to read it again, and I said, well, I'm going to bring it with me, and I'll finish there. should be fun. So um, that's the cover of who has been translated, but I'll come back uh, to that after. Uh, so they sent me to North Korea, and I was going there uh, in North Korea. That was my first day. Uh, I take notes, same thing. Uh, I was there for two months. So that was before September 11, like I said. And uh, at the time, it was just a, a strange and forgotten place. It was not like today, the acts of evil, the rogue state, and the bad guy. They were just forgotten. So at the airport, first day, uh, the guy looked for me. Uh, there's no light in the airport, so which tells a lot about the uh, electricity situation and, uh, uh, and that they are facing, because it was all pitch black, basically, but it was in daylight. So I could see only silhouette, and a guy came to me, shake my hand, and then there's the driver who gives me flour. And I was briefed before, because I knew that these flowers were not meant for me at all. Uh, I know what they meant. And it's, I says, thanks, you know, that's very nice. And then we go with the car. And then my translator, uh, no, that was my guide, because for two months I was followed by a guy and a translator. Always, all the time, they follow you and they, s they look at what you're doing in case you have trouble. It's just to help you. But uh, of course, you know that they're there because, I don't know, they don't want you to go in some place, maybe. So he explained to me, well, before you go to, we go to your hotel, we're going to visit uh, the city. When you, we're going to go to the highest point of, the, of Pyongyang, so you can have a nice look at the whole place. Well, I knew that we had actually, I said, yeah, okay, fine, let's go there. But I knew where we were going. We were going to that place where you have the big statue of Kim Jong-il. It's, I think it's, it's very impressive. It's something like 
24 meters, 25, 22. It's all in bronze, so when you look at it, you see the feet, and then it goes up and up, and you have this big face. Uh, it's very impressive. And then, of course, uh, these flowers were meant for me to go there and to put the flower on the feet of the statue, and you had to kneel and pay your respect. So <laughs> as I was paying my respect to the dear leader, since I worked for a company, I didn't care. It was not for me or for political reason. I didn't care doing that. Uh, I was thinking, well, I think there's going to be enough stuff in this country to make a book about that. So that was just my first day. <laughs> And the rest was just like that. You know, you had these guys following you all the time. Uh, I, I got to see the people at the UN who, who had cars and who could go around at night time in Pyongyang. So what happened is this book attracted a lot of um, uh, journalists, but different. Usually I, I was having only journalists to speci specialize in comic books. But then I had the journalists who were very interested in politics, in foreign politics, and North Korea is a is a, is a fantasy for lots of, uh, of journalists. They dream of, uh, about being in my situation where I could just walk on the streets and look around. Any journalist who goes there is followed and uh, he has only 24 hours or a week, but never two months like I did in just walking around and talking with these people. So they were very curious, so I got a lot of attention with that, radio and different journalists. So it changed a little bit things in France because now the books were reviewed. Well, this book was reviewed in, in foreign policy journal and stuff like that. So it changed a little bit things. Uh, so I think we sold the first year something like um, 10 or 15,000. So it was, uh, it, no, I think it was six. Yeah, sorry. It was more six than they reprinted it. So from two to 6,000, it was great. And more and more people were doing graphic novels. Of course, there was uh, Marjane Satrapi who did uh, Persepolis. That was such a big hit that people were, you know, looking more at that. And uh, I always have people when that, that when I do um, uh, signings that say I don't read comic books, but uh, I've, I've had someone who gave me your book and now I'm discovering that there's all sorts of graphic novels that are interesting. So I've had these type of people for 15 years, 20 years now, and now there's actually a lot of people. Um, and which is good because just like them, I've started re reading comic books at one point because the same graphic uh, 46 page in color didn't really interest me and the, all I could find was fantasy or science fiction stories. And after a while, yeah, I met these guys who were doing uh, stories for people of my age. So I thought, well, that's interesting. They talk about different stuff. And uh, we, we could try lots of things going in, in doing observation or journalism. I don't really feel I do, I do journalism. When I do these type of books, I really have the feeling that I'm doing... A, uh, postcards. That's it. I'm just r reading my notes and uh, I, I do whatever I think it's going to be interesting, funny. And uh, for me, they're long, big postcards that I would send to my family. So, uh, yeah, I want to show you just this for fun. Uh, I've, yeah, and the book got a lot of attention and it was translated, so that was very, very good for me. I, th I, I got, uh, as, as far as tr translation, I got 12 or 13 translation, and some of them are quite funny because I know for some reason they change covers. So that's the Japanese cover. It's it's very colorful, and I'm talking about a, a, a not so funny country. So I wanted to have a kind of a gray color, but this is not gray at all. And there's my name here, and then there's the name of I think that's the translator, but I have no idea. I don't know why he's on the cover, and uh, and they took image. 
of, of me and of the people, but they've removed the text. And I don't know, but for anyone who works in image or graphic, this means basically that I, I'm, I have nothing to say or I'm talking for nothing. So it, it, it just doesn't make sense. But uh, for some reason, they don't, they don't tell us. You just translate the book and that's it. That's what you have. And uh, the, the Brazilian version is very colorful. It looks like I'm going to the carnival, basically. <laughs> but it, it's, it's North Korea, I was saying to them. It's not, it's not Rio. They said, well, but we need a lot of color, which is not true, because I went to Rio once, and uh, there's all sorts of covers. Some are very sober. I don't know why they changed it. And to tell you a bit of the way that, that comic book is seen throughout Europe and, and most of the world, actually, this is the Norwegian one, and I said, why did you uh, change the cover? I, I really like mine. I, I've spent time to do it, and I thought it's a good cover. And they said, well, we change it because we don't want the people think that it's a comic book. <laughs> So I said, well, it's a comic book, and I don't, I, I don't have no problem with that, actually. When they're going to open it, they're going to say, oh, it's a comic book. So that's, that's what she said, the Norwegian translator there. I thought it was, that was interesting, because it's, it's a bit like that throughout most of the countries. They, they like these comics. They know it for, it's for adults, but they're afraid that the word comic book is going to fright them. So I was sent to, uh, I was not sent to Burma, actually. What happened is I, I stopped doing animation and I, I, I started to do uh, more of um, a comic book. And I was uh, hired by a, a bigger company in France. It's called uh, Dargo. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I can make a living with these comics. They are more classic stuff. They're more like Belgium. Uh, it's a detective story. Um, it, it was a funny uh, a f funny way of telling stories for detectives. And uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to make a living with that and I'm going to do one of these books that I still do just for fun. But what happened is the exact opposite. The, the stuff at Dargo didn't work at all. They, we stopped the series. And the book I was doing just for fun worked actually quite well. The Pyongyang was, was still selling. Uh, and I think we sold the, the second year, 15,000. So it was going good. And... Uh, what happened with the big house is they said, why don't you do uh, another book like Pyongyang, but with us this time? <laughs> so things have changed a lot, because I remember if I would have seen a big um, publishing house 15 years ago, they would have said to me, um, well, we don't do small books, we don't do black and white, and uh, the story about a guy who walks around in, in China, uh, that doesn't really, it's gonna, not going to interest the people we have here who reads our book. So things have changed a lot. And here I was in Burma, and for us, Burma was a, a different experience because I thought, well, now that I don't do comics, I'm just going to stay fixed in France and, and do my stuff here. But uh, my wife said, uh, I must be born under the star of traveling, because my wife said, uh, well, now that you do comics, maybe you can come with me, because she works in NGOs, she works with Doctor Without Border. And, uh, uh, she said, maybe I can, now I can do a long mission, like a one-year mission, and you come with me, and you can work whatever you do on, on piece of paper. I said, yeah, sure, why not? So we were in Burma for a year. And the, big is, the book is a bit bigger, because I had to talk about more stuff. Uh, my little life, uh, the life with expatriates people, um, the people that I've met in Burma. So it became a bigger book, and uh, 
what I what I do I do is the same. Uh, I, I like after Pyongyang, which I had to talk about the situation because if I talked about Pyongyang and I just repeat the words that these translator in guide has told me. Uh, it would have been too weird because they were saying always the basic propaganda stuff. So I had to know what happened before and behind the curtain, kind of. And uh, when I was asking these uh, translator, uh, what's going on with this, with the the Sholima and uh, and the Juche, what is that? Well, they would answer, but always in a biased way. I knew it because I knew a, a, a bit more. So I had to put a little more information in Pyongyang that I've done in Shenzhen. And actually, I really like the mix of having information. Uh, comic books is very entertaining, but you can actually say a lot of things in a comic book and it doesn't look like you're it's too serious because uh, it's it's always on a kind of a fun and entertaining way. And this is an example because um, I was walking around with my son and then my the guy we, we were at, uh, in the MSF uh, program mission told us, did you go see uh, Aung San Sushi? She, she lives just next door. She's a neighbor actually. So I said, oh wow, I didn't know that. So I said, maybe I can go there with my son because uh, my son was one year and a half and uh, Everybody in the neighborhood knew him because he was super popular. My my um, uh, my watchman was walking around with him, and people knew knew him much more than me because they very like babies there in Burma. The the father they're always uh, wanted to have Louis in their arms. Uh, I think it's because they don't have strollers, and when they go see friends, they walk for miles. And it's actually the father who carry the babies, so the father is always very close to the small babies. And uh, it's a very baby-oriented uh, kind of country, and it's a lot of fun to be there with a baby. It opened a lot of door to me. I've I've been able to visit uh, neighbors I would have never seen before because I was going around with my baby. So I thought maybe the same thing's going to happen uh, if I try to go to Aung San Sushi's house. There was a checkpoint. Uh, nobody could go. That's what my friend told me. But I said, well, if I just walk with my baby, maybe that's going to work. So here I go. I said, well, Let's try that. They're not going to stop me with a baby. Uh, and so I go in the traffic. It's very bad because actually everybody's stopped there. So uh, I go in front. I see the watchman and I try to talk, but of course I don't. I, I pretend I don't really understand. And I try to go. It doesn't work. He tries to stop me, but I kind of say, "Well, sorry, I don't understand," and try to go at the same time. And then I explain what she represents, Aung San Suu Kyi. She's just in the house, uh, f f one block further. And for me, it's a good time. To to give the information because I know that the reader is going to think, well, what is she doing basically? She was staying in her house, but uh, for a lot of people that I've met afterwards, they didn't know that she was in that house, uh, but she was not prisoner. Like she could, she could just go and take a plane and go back to England. That's that's where she's from. Well, she she was uh, an English citizen. She still, uh, but she couldn't come back. That was the problem. That's why she was fighting for us. She said, "I'm not going to leave the people and leave them to you guys, uh, dictators. I'm going to stay with them." So she stayed like that for 15 years. And so, yeah, in a comic book, you can explain little things like that, and people get to learn a lot of things. Uh, turning page and reading and after that boom I go back to my situation and I get that that uh, that watchman who says well because I was trying to go he says well wait a second are you a foreigner 
And I look at him and I said, well, uh, well, yeah, I am. <laughs> what do you think? And he says, well, you can go then. That's it. So, you know, you, you can't. Okay. So that was it. I couldn't go. I said, oh, that's too bad. And then I think, oh, maybe I should do something. Maybe I could go uh, tomorrow again. And, and maybe I can go every day. And I would be, every day I would try to go. They would stop me. And people would start to talk about me. That kind type of, of Gandhi way of, of, of forcing things. But then this is just in my thoughts. I'm, and then I said, yeah, okay, let's do that. Tomorrow I'm going again, and I'll be that foreigner who goes, you know, for a year, try to see Aung San Sushi. But then the next day, well, I forgot about that, and I'm, I'm washing my baby, and that was it. And that's what I like about doing comics and being uh, able to draw myself is um, I... I uh, compared to an article or a journalist who talks to you and gives you information, you, you don't see the guy, you don't really know what kind of guy he is. Uh, when you do um, something like that, and I draw myself, uh, the reader knows, okay, I'm, I'm not a specialist about Burma or the Middle East, I'm not a, a journalist, uh, I'm just a guy who's going to come with his wife and try to understand what's going on in that country for a year and try to see what's, wh how the Burma be behave and, and the people. So he knows where the information comes from. And for me, that's very important. That's very honest. Yeah, and I like that. I like to depict that. Come of force. And, you know, one day I think I'm going to be a hero, and the next day, well, you know, okay, let's do something else because that's never going to work. <laughs> so I like I, I like to do autobiography for that, and for other reasons because um, you get you, you get to use the humor you want, and all sorts of stuff. Um, yeah, maybe it's time to to jump to Jerusalem. And um, maybe I want to see this in Burma. Yeah, the way I work is um, whenever I go in, in, in China, Pyongyang, I try to discover what's going on with the comics there. And I, I've met a few uh, a cartoon in Burma, because I thought, you know, Burma, that there's going to be no newspaper, new magazine. But there's actually 80 magazines every month published. They don't talk about politics, of course. They talk about sports, poetry, literature, lots of things. And there's actually a lot of people doing a cartoon there. And they're quite good. Look at this one. They're not politics, but sometimes they really look like politics, like uh, this one, for instance. It, cannot be, uh, it could be a metaphor. Or this one is really look like a metaphor. So you get to see that in newspaper there. And some are really brilliant. I've put a few of these guys uh, on, on my website because I thought they're, they're, they're really, really well done. Uh, this one maybe is too far. This one's f just funny. So I always try to go and see what's going on with the, with the comic book scene uh, in the country. And uh, yeah, just for fun, I want to show you in China is the same because I was going around and I found a very funny one. There's this one. They, they, that's on the street. You get to see these small, I don't know if it's still like that, but you would get to see people selling these very, very small books for a few yuan. And this is actually quite funny because it's a Sh Sherlock Holmes story. So you have a Chinese version or, uh, or influence over Sherlock Holmes, and you look at the, the way the composition is done, that's, really, this, that's very oriental as a composition. And at some point you even have, um, look, at the, look at the carpet, I don't think Sherlock Holmes has a carpet com com like that in his house. And look at the bed. <laughs> I don't think Sherlock Holmes has a bed like that in his house with long draperies and all that. So I thought it was fantastic. 
Yeah. So yeah, I like to go in countries, and then with the Burmese people, I was lucky enough to meet uh, a few of these artists in Burma who were doing uh, a cartoon. And uh, some of them, I've teach them animation, and I've been uh, I, I've, I've been there to uh, show them an animation, and they show them uh, they showed me one day they were giving. Um, kind of a, a reunion of uh, illustrators and uh, they met all together and the oldest comic book guy they give them uh, money so he can he can uh, he was in uh, in a wheelchair having a bad time so they always do that for their old teacher for their old people so i was lucky enough to be in one of these conventions it was, there was actually 150 uh, comic book people i was surprised it's burma you think you know nobody does comic there but yeah they do actually so it was fun to discover that at the same time that's the way i work a little bit sometimes i take pictures and i transform them i have a few examples that's in bangkok so i took a picture because we, we we spend the weekend in bangkok from uh, rangoon it's very close and i just transformed that I was in my friend's house. Uh, he showed me uh, something on his computer, but uh, they only have two hours of electricity, so it was a very short uh, uh, session on front of the computer. And after that, uh, he said uh, he, he, he was living in, in this in this house. It's all it's all very uh, uh, run down, and um, so we had two hours of electricity, and then that was it. That's all they had for the day. So it was interesting to see that because, of course, in the area where we were and most of the expat was were, uh, it was uh, it was much more comfortable. We had electricity almost all day, not all the time, but much more comfortable. And uh, one thing I remember when we went down the staircase, because I think he was living on the 10th floor, on the 7th floor, it was pitch dark because there was no electricity. So he was, go he was in front of me and he was saying, oh, there's seven steps for this one. So I was counting seven. Uh, it was eight, 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 and at the end, it was nine. I said, oh, that one, the last one is nine, why? And uh, he says, because uh, every house in Burma, it has to be an odd number for stairs. I thought it was very interesting. That's the type of thing I go home, I take notes. I don't have the answer. I think a journalist wouldn't do a story with that because he doesn't have all the information, the why, the where, the how that you really have to do when you're a journalist. But me, I don't really care because I, I, don't, I don't have the answer at the end. It's just that it's a nice moment and I, I want to share that moment with the people who's going to read the books. And you know they can understand themselves uh, that it's probably for a, a good fortune that they, they have these staircase like that. But I, have, I don't have to bring the answer. For me, it's not so important. That's what I like about comics too. So for the last book, uh, well, the last book for my last book, who's coming out uh, uh, last week, who was translated in English. Mm. Uh, we were sent away to Jerusalem. So that was a big change change for me because I was uh, in a lot of countries in Asia. I really like Asia, but I thought that's going to be interesting to um, to discover a new place. I've never been in the Middle East, and I didn't know much about the conflict. I have to admit, uh, we were um, we known only uh, one month before we left that we would go in Jerusalem. So that I didn't have to prepare. 
And I don't think I would have had time to prepare anyhow, even if it would be longer with two small kids in the house. And I, I don't have much time for me well, at that time. And uh, I knew that I would be there surrounded with people that on NGOs. And I've met, while I was there, journalists who lived there for seven, eight years. They were uh, in the UN, in the um, humanitarian world, and journalists as well. So they had a lot of knowledge about the place. and. Um, it was very easy for me when I had a question to go to one of my friends and say, why is it like that and that? So I knew that I, didn't ha I wouldn't have to go through all that. <clears throat> so uh, being in Jerusalem, uh, I, I work the same. We spend... Uh, I, go, I go in the house we've had, and this is my first day. Uh, of course, we are, we, are, we are waked up by the, the call of the prayer, and uh, at first it's quite surprising, but you get used to it. Not so much the babies, though. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, so I go around, and the way I work is uh, kind of by circle. I, I look at the first thing I'm going to describe is uh, the bookshelves that the people I've left there. It's very funny because from the books you kind of tell, oh, this one is probably a kind of a romantic guy, or this one likes science fiction. So it was funny that that's my the street I was so I describe after that my street and after that my area and after that I'm gonna talk about uh, more of the Jerusalem where I was I was in the east part I was in the Arabic part of Jerusalem uh, one month before I left of course I looked at some pictures of Jerusalem in Google image and I thought well that's that looks good it looks like a European city I'm going yeah, it's gonna be fun cafes and and actually when I arrived I was not in that part of the Jerusalem, there's all sorts of area, but the Arab area is very run down, so I, 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 I was kind of disappointed when I arrived there. And they're not all European, and uh, especially when I was in the street and I was looking around, and they have these big garbage that uh, they don't really take care there in that part of the city. And you have all sorts of cats who are on top of that, and they are basically they are like rats. They're very incredible. You don't want to pet them. They're they're just looks. And that remind me of when I was looking the 1950s cartoon where you have these cats who who are in the alley and they eat. Uh, you, they have the fish bone. And actually, it was taken from probably a situation like that where you have the cats living in in the. We don't have that anymore, but uh, in that area they still have that. So they're very terrifying. And if you can see, there's a little bag here. And at the end of my... And it's full of bread. I was very surprised in this area of the Jerusalem. For some reason, I thought, why don't they put it in the garbage? I'm always fascinated by small details like that. And I can think of that for a long time. And I was thinking, always I could see uh, bags of bread sticking outside the can. I was thinking, why don't they just put it in there? And then at the end of my journey, we've had a tour with, uh, 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 in Mea Sharim. Mea Sharim is the ultra-Orthodox area of, uh, of uh, Jerusalem. That's, that's where you have the, the guys with the, all dressed in black. So uh, I had a tour. It was fascinating. And then I saw there was actually pieces of bread in, in the wall in, of some houses that were staying outside. And I was thinking, King, why do they put that? She told me, oh, because the bread uh, for the Jewish people is sacred. They don't put it in the garbage. And I thought, oh, well, you know, they do exactly the same in the Arab neighborhood. I thought it was fantastic. And I was thinking, 
strange because we Catholics, uh, where we have the image of the bread as Jesus, so you would say this is the most sacred thing, we just throw the bread in the garbage like there's no problem. Choo, choo, choo. I thought it was strange. So I like to work with small details like that, and uh, from the small details I'm going to try to give an image, of course it's very subjective because that's the stuff I've seen, that's the experience I've had. I'm sure if I would go in Jerusalem tomorrow, it would be a very different experience, it would be a very different book. So that's the old city that I'm describing when I arrived there. And that's, I thought it was Pyongyang on Sunday, but it's actually uh, Jerusalem on Shabbat. <laughs> There's no cars, there's no cafe, everything is closed. This reminds me of uh, one of the trips I've done when I was there before. So I was very surprised as well. Um, so Jerusalem can be uh, a, a strange place as well. So I've described all the people I've met there, uh, ultra-Orthodox people. I've, I've been lucky enough to meet people in the desert, the Bedouins, and talk with them a little bit. Uh, the Samaritan, that's a fascinating community. There are only 500 people. So I've, I've, I've seen the Easter that they're celebrating them. And uh, I talk about the small, the, the small rencontre while meeting I have with people. And that's one of them. It's a, it's a very short one because that's on the... Uh, that's the Shukot, that's a special uh, holiday they have, it's very famous, they, they build these little uh, cabanes, you probably know about that. And uh, so this guy is working on it and I'm just passing by and uh, he's having these big leaves that he put on the roof, it's very nice, these little, uh, I really like that, that thing. And uh, he talks to me, I said, oh sorry, I don't speak Hebrew, uh, I'm very sorry, I, I thought it would be nice if I could. So <coughs> and he says, are you Jewish? And um, uh, I said, uh, no, I, I'm not, actually. And that's it. That was the end of the story. <laughs> he just he didn't say nothing. Just for, and, uh, I thought it was interesting. I did, instead of having a baby with a stroller, uh, I, did, um, I did do some sketches. That was most of my, uh, the time I was there. I, I didn't brought with me uh, work, but after a few months, I realized that with the two kids and the school was closed on at one o'clock, and on Saturday uh, there was no school, so I was I was stuck with the kids most of the time, and I realized that I wouldn't have a lot of work for myself. So I decided, after two months of struggling, okay, gonna stop just going crazy. I'm just gonna do a few hours here and there of sketches. I'm going to go outside and do sketches and that's going to be kind of a sabbatic year, which was a very good decision because after that uh, you know, everything calmed down <laughs> in the house and in my head as well. And I got to meet people. You, do, you, you go there, you sketch, people talk to you, see you, and uh, you get, it's like a stroller in Burma. You, you get to open doors with just your little sketchbook. It's a very good way to travel. People had told me that, but I've never tried it. So um, being in East Jerusalem, it's kind it's kind of special because when you take the car and you go abroad, if you go north, east or west, you end up to see the wall. So after a while I start to draw uh, the wall a few times here and there. And you, you can go with the car, you can go around the, uh, the, the wall and I was doing a lot of sketch, which was a lot of fun. And I was exploring, you can go, you're in front, you take the car, you go left and right. And then I, I sat there, there was all these blocks and concretes. And, uh, Three minutes after, there's a car, the army car comes, and uh, 
I had a very strange conversation with the soldier. He said, what are you doing there? I said, I'm doing a drawing. He says, a drawing? A drawing of what? I said, the wall. <laughs> he said, why? Well, just like that. And he says, well, you can't stay here. You have to get, you, you, it's, a, it's a military zone, you have to go. So I thought, well, it's too bad, because the, the beginning was good. That was, uh, that was the beginning of my drawing. I've never finished it. And this happened to me a few times. And um, so you get to meet people. Sometimes it's very short, sometimes it's longer. Uh, I've had people inviting me in their house, and um, and yeah, if you draw, I would very recommend to um, to uh, to do that uh, if you're traveling. And sometimes people tell me uh, you are doing a journalistic work, uh, and I really don't feel like, like a journalist because uh, for me a journalist uh, goes into a place and he has some work to do on, on a country and he knows what he's going to work on or more or less and he knows and if something hot happens he's going to go there try to see what's going on. But me it's quite the opposite, I just walk around in the streets and if a story comes to me I'm going to take notes and then I'm going to do something with that. But otherwise I'm not going to do a book because I don't, I don't have to do a book. It's, uh, I, we've been in, in uh, Ethiopia like that. I didn't mention that, but we spent one year in Ethiopia and I worked the whole year on Pyongyang and uh, it was great because I've worked a lot, but then at the end I didn't have nothing to say about the country, so I didn't do a book. And so I go in Jerusalem and if uh, I, I do the opposite of a journalist. He goes to the story and I kind of wait to the stories to come to me to do something with that. And that's it. And uh, one example, when there was the Gaza, we were, I was in Gaza in 2008-2009 and uh, there has been the, the Gaza war, well the cast led, the, I, I forgot the title, how they call that, but uh, that was the, the 3rd of January and while there was that attack on Gaza, I, was, I met my, uh, my friend journalist and he says, uh, you know, there's that place, uh, if you want to come with us, where, th where the journalist goes, there was a hill uh, next to Gaza and with big telescope they could see what was going on. And I said, and he told me, I'm, I'm going to go there tomorrow, you want to come with me? I said, oh yeah, that could be interesting, yeah, sure. And yeah, okay, let's go. And then we, 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 we go for a meeting for tomorrow and we decide for a meeting for the next day and then uh, as I go home I kind of try to imagine the situation where you're on that hill with all the, the people and you have the F-16 who comes there and launch a bomb because that's what these journalists were looking after some kind of explosion or action of, or s s and then you have stuff like that and they, they all take pictures and then I think and then I, I phoned him back I said nah, I don't think I don't I, I don't want to go I don't think I, I, I would feel comfortable to look at that and uh, yeah so when people say you you do journalism that's why I was saying I really have the feeling that I do postcards and I just all I, I just talk about the stuff I've seen while I'm there and, and 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 if I have story to say well that's good if I don't have well that's too bad uh, that's the way I work. I, I read my notes and then I'm going to choose whatever is going to be interesting or not. And usually in the morning uh, I do the text and then in the afternoon uh, I can do the drawing more or less. So I do one page a day. Yeah. I don't draw as fast as that, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's in a few hours. 
So by doing one page a day, it's good because I remember what I've done on Friday, on Thursday, so I'm in the position of being a kind of a slow reader who would turn one page a day. And that's very good because I get to have all the page in, in memory. And for the rhythm, it's great because I know, okay, I've talked about something more serious. Let's be more open in the next one and, uh, and have some explanation later about that. And uh, for me, the most important thing is the rhythm. So when I have someone who says to me, oh, I really like your book. I've I've had it yesterday night and I've read the whole thing in one night. It took me four hours. It's a good and a bad news at the same time because I said, oh, well, I did a good job because he turned the page and uh, he read the whole thing. But, you know, I've spent two years doing the book and he read it in, in, in four pages, so I kind of feel uh, depressed at the same time. And uh, so I take, I take image and for this one I had sketches, so it was different. And... Uh, and some of these sketches, I've, I've used them for, for um, doing my, uh, my work. I knew that I had that drawing, so I've actually worked on the cover uh, to do that, that, that drawing. I knew I had it, so I just looked at my, at my sketches. Uh, same for that. That's actually, yeah, the Saint-Sépulcre. And uh, instead of using a picture, I knew I had a sketch, so I went back to my sketches and I've used it like that. I take pictures as well, but sometimes it, it takes me too long to open the computer, look at all the pictures I have every year, and deciding where it is and finding it. So sometimes I just go on Google image, actually. And uh, on Jerusalem, you have so many pictures because you have all these these people who've been in Jerusalem and, have, and have, they've taken pictures of everything. So you can find uh, from the doorknob to to, uh, to to any Muslim, Arabic or Jewish thing. It's very easy. So I've worked with image, with my sketches and uh, that's how it goes for me. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about uh, uh, going through a series of questions, if you have, and while we do that, I can show you a few of the sketches I've done while I was there for the year. And this is going to be part of a book, because now, um, yeah, to give you, that's, that's, uh, to give you the, the rest of, where are my sketches? It's hard to read on that. Sorry. Anyhow. Ah, here they are. Sorry. Okay, if anyone has any question, a question about anything, yes, please. One is, um, if you ever think about, did you write and draw yeah. the connection of um, the writing of the hieroglyphics and pictograms, especially if you've been in all these ancient countries? That's one question. And the other question is, you mentioned how you do a lot of movement and travel, and you don't really think of yourself as a journalist. So I was wondering if you had any connection to that great French word, uh, flaneur, you know, which I don't think has a really good mm. translation, but in terms of just, you know, that kind of movement and uh, seeing what happens. Uh, for the first part of the question, uh, I've, I've 
My drawing has changed because, like I was saying, I use a very greasy technique for China. But when I arrive in Pyongyang, where everything is uh, gray and very straight and very, very clean, because everybody's painting the rocks and the house, and uh, you don't have publicity, so you, there's not a lot of color. Everything was very pale gray and thin lines. So I've used more of a classic uh, 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 ink. Uh, Chinese ink and uh, nib and I was doing the shadow with uh, something light as well because I couldn't use the same technique it was so different and I kind of liked it it was faster as well and when I arrived in Burma I've used more or less the same the same technique with a comp I, 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 I did the shadow with the computer in a different way so and I I kind of simplify my drawing. It became more graphic. And it's a balance for me now that is better because my text became more simple as well. I just use very simple sentence because in comic book, you have to be so efficient that if you can use three sentences instead of four, it's better to use three because you don't have that much space and you don't want to do 400 pages. This one is 300, that's enough. So I was always trying to concentrate stuff. So my, my text is more are, are more simple and my drawing are more simple as well so I, I like that now because there's a balance so you take almost the same time to read uh, the drawing than the the text so for me it's it's good like that I keep it like that and for the traveling part yeah um, of course I, I do a little bit of journalism in the book but what I really prefer is, is just to go around and you, you, you were talking about flaneur which in English would be just walking around or taking your time to look at things and that's really what you do when you do sketches because you sit for 20 minutes somewhere instead of taking quickly a picture and going away. I remember someone was saying don't go in the I was in Nap Naplus yeah that's the north in the west bank because I was uh, lucky enough to be with the French Alliance who sent me uh, in a few places to do workshop with the Palestinian that, wa that was very interesting and um, uh, they were saying in the morning, don't go in the in the old area of the town. There's a market, but it's not very safe to go. But it's the morning I went there. I didn't feel any threat at all. I sat there and I start to. Uh, I have that in the book. I start to draw and uh, I spent 20 minutes and you have these guys who come behind me I wonder what's going on and then they started talk and they, they bring their friends and then at the end you know I spend I, I spend uh, half an hour with them show, showing them my sketches and we had tea together so that was that was the, the whole story and that's what happened because when you do a sketch you sit there and you're really showing to the people who are in that place that you really like it and you want to take time to do something with that so you really give them I don't know a feeling of you know you, you you're sharing something with them and that's very different yeah that's why I like to do sketches yeah and when you look at some uh, sketches that you've done like this one I remember I was drinking a coffee in that place there was the Sun this one I had a sunburn because I stayed too long that was in Jordania and uh, yeah maybe I want to go quickly on something uh, more funny uh, which is really the, what I prefer to do is like funny stories but I have to explain sometimes more of the serious stuff uh, I was in uh, lucky enough to have um, uh, to do exhibition of my work in the West Bank with the Alliance Française so the, the thing the, the way we worked is I would do an exhibition if there would be enough people we, I would do a presentation like this one and if there would be enough people for the presentation I would do a workshop 
So I did three workshops, and when I was doing my first presentation, and it was in Naplouse, I wanted to show them. There was, there was a bunch of students. It was an art school, student 18, 19, boys and girls. So uh, I, I felt you know, very comfortable, and I always improvise just like I do tonight when I, I go through my, my files. And I wanted to show them that I come from animation, and this is my first book that I, I told you about, and this is the first story that I did. And I kind of forgot which one was the first story. I was a bit mixed up, and uh, the story happened uh, in the south of France. So you have girls with, with uh, what they called monokini. So uh, as I was passing this image in front of that class, I was thinking, well, maybe I shouldn't show that because uh, they're half-naked girls, and these are Muslim people. But then I was not too sure, and as I was about uh, at this this part of the story, I, I was thinking. I don't know, maybe. And then I said, well, okay, they're students, they're art students, so I'm just going to continue. And then as I turned around, I saw half of the class just, boom, they just move away from the class. They just left the class. <gasps> I felt very terrible. But I, b before they left, I said, you can see the rest on my website. Because uh, that's what I've been told. That's what they do publicly, because they are, I don't know, they have to show that they are very uh, religious or something. So then I was, I was kind of, uh, and then half the class left, well, no, one third. And boys and girls, and uh, I said, so what do we do? The, the director of the university was there. He said, no, you know, let's keep going, because he wanted to show that, you know, here we're not, uh, we're like that. And everybody said, no, no, keep going. So I kept going. So I showed the rest of the story. I felt a bit bad, but then I thought there was an interesting experience. And in, in my two um, further workshop, I did the same, but I had different reactions. Yeah, I was a, a wild young man doing crazy stories at the time. And, uh, okay, I'm going to finish that story. That's a long one. So you see, it's like a short film, basically. So she get back with her first girlfriend, and that's it. And what happened is then I went in Ramallah. Ramallah is very different, and I showed that in the book. Like the West Bank is just one big block. It's actually different cities, and they're very different from, from one to the other. And in Ramallah, I showed that, and everybody laughed. There was no problem. Everybody's very cool. In Tel Aviv, it's kind of, uh, not Tel Aviv, but Ramallah, it, it's kind of the Tel Aviv of the West Bank. And then I was in the East, um, East Jerusalem at the university, and I had only girls. Ten girls were there. Some were veiled. So some were complete. One of them was completely veiled. You couldn't see her face. I said, "Well, I'm going to try." I showed them the story to see what happened. Interesting. They all laughed. No problem. Yeah, because I think they were just girls. So when they're together, it's no problem. But because they were boy and girls, I think they had to show that. Oh, this is disrespectful. I'm, I'm leaving the room and all that. So I thought that was interesting. So I showed that in the book as well. Um, any further question? Yes. When you're drawing, uh, when you're like having people talk in other languages, how do you choose? Because you often draw like script, like written script or any script or Hebrew. Yeah. yeah. How do you? I mean, you know, for the yeah. For the for the Jerusalem, I had a friend translating me the Hebrew, correcting me, and I had someone for the few Arab phrase I have, who, who, yeah, because I wanted to have it uh, uh, good. But for the Chinese one, I wrote just rubbish thing, and uh, I had a Chinese friend who told me uh, I can translate, but I said uh, I don't I don't even know what I want to say in that. I just want to say that he's talking to me, and I said no, I'm going to keep it like that. So if I have a Chinese person reading it, he's going to feel just like I felt. He's not going to understand. Yeah. 
So for the Chinese, I didn't change, yeah. But the way I work for um, Jer the Jerusalem, if I, I have uh, a lot of people that I mentioned in the book, and they're drawn, and you, you get to see them, and uh, every time I had someone's name, I was sending him the picture, the image, and, and, and uh, so he could see uh, the stuff. I, and then we worked together with Michael, the, the, the priest that I've met, uh, and, and we were talking together. Uh, of course, yeah, he read that, and he changed a few sentences. He was smoking, and he says, uh, you know, I would like you to remove the smoke, because I'm not supposed to smoke uh, next to the church or something. <laughs> but, so that's why he's, gonna, he's talking like that. He doesn't have any cigarette. It sounds strange, but I've removed it. So it's like a Photoshop sensor of the <laughs> uh, uh, like the Russian used to do. Any qu any other questions? Yes. Uh, not the, well from the Jerusalem one. Yeah, I got I got reactions from the Burmese. Uh, uh, well, different ones. Well, let's start with North Korea. Not directly, but uh, I had people who were still going there to do the work in North Korea, and it was translated in South Korea, so it was in Korean. And I know that the people uh, have seen the book, or they know that the book exists, and they weren't happy about that. That's what I had as information. But I know I can understand why they're not happy about that because the director. He's not happy because I come back with a negative image of the country, and that's that's not good for him. I think I'm supposed to come back with a very good image of the the paradise of the workers, but I, not, uh, that's not what happened to me. And uh, I guess the people that I was with are afraid that I'm going to put uh, a sentence in the book that that they've told me that were kind of ambiguous about the regime, and I really understand what they meant, but I didn't put them in the book right at the beginning of the book. I said, uh, even though my questions were always were sometimes, you know, twisted, they've always been very faithful to the dear leader and their country, and which is true. But sometimes they told me a few things that, in the situation, said, "Aha, yeah, he knows what's going on outside." And if one day, but I didn't put that in the book, which I'm glad. Yeah, of course, because that's dangerous for them. But I know they're still there; they're working, and they don't, they didn't have any problem with the book in Burma. Uh, it was different because uh, I've kept contact and the people that were there, it was different. I've ch I changed in their name and their face because uh, I didn't want them to uh, to be recognizable. That's why it's always, it's a bit blurry in in, um, in Burma because you don't even, you don't recognize a face because I keep changing them, I keep changing the, the name as well. I was afraid it, it could be dangerous for them. Uh, for the Jerusalem one, oh in Burma once I was in Paris and I got a Burmese lady, uh, she was a young student, and she couldn't come back to her country for some reason. And she said she really liked the book because, uh, for once, I was showing Burma everyday life, and I was showing that Rangoon is a nice city, and uh, we were not talking for once about Burma being, uh, you know, a dictator and all that. So for her, it was a good change. Uh, on the Jerusalem book, I had a lot of uh, reaction. Uh, it's just coming out in English now, but uh, in French, I got a lot of good reaction and a few bad ones about uh, the way I see Israel, of course. But um, I, I got great reviews in the Canadian Jewish um, uh, review, it's called, and uh, friends who are there as well. So yeah, basically good reviews yeah, from both sides, I have to say. Yes. Uh, can you make those, uh, I was wondering if you make that into a tree where you make those into a tree to sell it. Well, 
I think um, because I come from animation and I know what kind of job it, it represents, I don't really dream about doing it. Like uh, I know a lot of cartoonists who have done cartoon all their life, and they're just dreaming about doing movies. Uh, if anyone wanted to do uh, an animation film with any of these books, which it almost happened one with Pyongyang, I said I don't want to have anything to do with that. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a bad idea. I told her I think it's a bad idea. It's a it's a good book, but it's going to be a terrible film because it's meant to be a book. Really, I have. I have games in that. I have all sorts of things that doesn't translate in movement in animation. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't fantasize. I'm not one of these uh, comic book author that 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 lives uh, in the hope that someday they're going to be a director and they're going to do animation. Oh no, I much prefer to. Um, I remember Marjane Satrapi, who did Persepolis, who was a very good film. She stopped and she spent uh, three years doing that, three years of her life, going around, promoting the, the film, making the film. I much prefer taking three years and do one and even two different books than going back to an old one and make a movie out of that. No, I don't have any fantasies on that, that, that side. Mm. Yes. Well, I try not, but you always have. Even though it's like if you would go in North Korea, you, I was, I, I try to uh, not fight, but I, I have expectation or image in North Korea. I, th I was thinking, well, maybe if I go in North Korea, I'm going to discover that these guys are very proud, and they really have the feeling that they're fighting against something, and they have, you know, they they have something in common that's very strong. But the feeling I had being there, it's actually they're just trying to survive and they, I feel very sorry for them. So I always go thinking, well, maybe it's going to be very different from what I thought. But, you know, you always have a, a, an image of the place somehow. Because I arrived in Jerusalem, I had that image. And I think that's like that for anybody who has been in a different country, being an expat. That the first month, you kind of fight against the image you had, and 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 it takes a month, and then you can kind of have a white page and start from what you have in front of you and what you can do, and then see what's going to be the year or the few years in front of you. But the first months are very hard because you think, I don't have that, and and this is not what like I seen, and what am I going to do? And you're just you're just puzzled. That's what happened to me every time I go in, in any of these countries. But I think it's a natural reaction. Yeah. Yes. No, no, I, I'm not a religious person, and uh, being in Jerusalem uh, is not going to make me a more religious person. I think in Burma I had something not religious, but I was with the Buddhists, and I've spent a few uh, uh, th four days uh, do meditation with the type of meditation they have there. It's not religious; it's more meditative. But it, it was a very uh, kind of uh, religious experience, closer to what I've ever experienced in, in Jerusalem. But it's a very different country and situation. Of course, it's not. It's not it's, I, we can compare both. Mm. But I didn't have the Jerusalem syndrome, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thanks. Um, I don't know if you...
You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all of our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Fragile Gang. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, and the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.